Wilkinson here. Today I'm with Terry Ray. Who's Terry Ray? Well, he's a lot of stuff. He's an actor, playwright, a writer, producer and director, and he's the new managing director of Bent Theater, which is our new gayish theater in Palm Springs, correct? That is not even, you can skip the ish. Ish. (laughs) (laughs) Say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Thanks, Wilkinson. You're welcome. Okay. Who's Terry? (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your background. You said uh, you said earlier that you uh, grew up in Ohio. Yes, I grew up in Ohio. If, if you asked me at age three what I wanted to be, I would have said an actor and an archaeologist. And I have no idea where it came from. It just was always in me. Always wanted to be an actor. Can't remember not. Really? Yeah. But you didn't become an archaeologist. No, but maybe <laughs> one day. <laughs> I have played an archaeologist. Does that count? Oh, sure. <laughs> well, you almost were. I saw your new Lincoln play and. That was a lot of research. That's there. some history there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love history. I, I yeah, uh, that's true. That was the first time I wrote a piece that I had to research to be historically accurate. That was an, an adventure. I had never done that before. We're going to come back to that. Let's stick you back in Ohio. So then what? <laughs> How'd you get out? You're not in Ohio now, so no, I escaped. You know, I always wanted to to live in L.A. and uh, so I uh, I did a lot of regional theater. I went to college as an um, a theater major. And then a sideline of going to a seminary, oh, you know, you have to do that, I guess, you know, well, with, for guys, the guilt to take care of that. Anyway, we do. Yeah. Your, your year of guilt, and then you move on. And then, So was your family churchy? Yes, yes. So then I did some regional theater, and I, I then I, without any common sense whatsoever, I think that's what you have to do. No money, no common sense. I loaded up a car that at one point I'd left burning on the freeway, but it still drove, and headed to LA with like... <laughs> No money or a job or connections. So your goal was to become an actor. That yes. was the motivation. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And then moving here, uh, moving on the on the road to L.A., I got stuck in a blizzard. Started snowing when I hit Memphis, and then uh, by the time I got to where was it? Oh, gosh, Amarillo. And when I got to Amarillo, Texas, it was like the whole. St- Everything was closed. The freeway was closed. There was no restaurants. I I, I had to crash a hardware convention to, to find a, a, a bag of potato chips. And the next morning, without checking the news or anything like that, I just got on the road. And I was like, there was nobody on the road. And there was terrible conditions. And then I hear on the radio, it's closed. The freeway is literally closed that I'm on. Oh, you're and, on it. Yeah, I'm on it. And you can't get off because every exit ramp had wrecked cars. And so I kept driving and I kept driving in my car. <laughs> the windshield wipers didn't work and the gas gauge didn't work. And I was driving and I didn't know where the road was, but I, I was afraid to stop because there was no car, there was no buildings, there was nothing. It was just white. So I just kept driving because I thought if I stop, I'll get stuck. Finally saw a bridge, like, a, like okay, well, there's got to be a road there. I was driving forever and I thought, I'm going to run out of gas. And I got to, towards that bridge and there was a police car and they, and they were like, what are you doing on the freeway? And I'm like, please tell me how to get off. And they pointed to this little town. They said, there's a town that direction. I just drove that direction, but then I couldn't find the road anymore. And apparently I drove off the road and I was stuck up to the windows. So I had to roll the windows down and get out. But I could see a little light. I could see a little light. And I walked towards the light and fell into some kind of hole and was buried alive. <laughs> oh, my God. And you died. No. And I died. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, I, it was nice having you. Yeah, thank you. I've been dead for quite a while. No, a, a, and a little voice, I had been so panicked, a little voice said, just relax, just go to sleep. And I'm like, Go to sleep. Yeah. And so I started to think, okay, I'm just going to. Bad voice. And then I'm like, wrong voice. (laughs) Right. Wrong voice. 
So I started swimming, kind of, and I found my way out, and I made it to the town, and I got rescued by the villagers. How old were you then? I was on the cusp of 25, driving from that little town, San Juan, New Mexico, to LA. I was another adventure with uh, people I met in the gymnasium that were restaurant critics at the time. They were eating their way across America, and they befriended me, and we started stopping at every Mexican restaurant there, which I'd never had anything stronger than Taco Bell before, and I was dying because they were like having me order all this stuff that was very spicy. crazy spicy. So on my actual birthday, we're still trying to get to LA, uh, we're headed to another Mexican restaurant, and, and uh, my stomach is like, oh, no, no, I got to go to the bathroom. But it's, this is the freeway with like eight inches of ice on it with potholes, and you just hit a pothole and just be this thud. Right. And I'm like, okay, I, anywhere, and it, any sign of civilization, I'm stopping. I got to go to the bathroom. And it, a Were you following tree. them or what? I'm following them. There's nothing. It's flat, flat, flat. I mean, I cannot go on the side of the freeway to the bathroom. I just can't. I got to hide behind something. There's got to be something. And then I hit a big pothole and I crap my pants. <laughs> Oops. And it was my birthday. And I'm, I'm that sitting. That was your 25th birthday? So I turned 25 with okay, that, that bump in the road. And it was, you know, it was really a crappy birthday. But um, <laughs> anyway, I had vinyl seats. That was saving. And I fished around for clothes and thought, okay, when, once we get to this next Mexican restaurant, they'll go inside and I'll meet them inside. But I'll just go straight to the bathroom and just f- somehow clean myself up and throw my clothes away and just pretend like this didn't happen. But when right. we got there, there was only one parking space and they got out of the car and they were trying to knock on the window to roll the window down. They wanted to tell me something I could not roll the window down for obvious reasons and so i just kept going i'm okay i'm each inside but they wouldn't leave and then i got in the parking space and they were still standing there and i just went open the door and with my clothes under my arm and went i don't feel well and walked straight to the bathroom which did they know do you think or no i don't know i didn't look i was like you look back i can't look i don't know them very well to crap my pants in front of them so i was you know and I get inside the restaurant and restroom and it was not private. It was like a, when, you know, anybody could walk in, but there was a stall. And fortunately it had a tank in the back. So I could lift the top of the tank off and close the stall and take a bath in the tank water. And that was, and I, then when they discovered well, I'm what I'm sure happened, everyone is wondering the same thing I'm wondering. Yeah. What is Have that? Have you always been that classy? <laughs> <laughs> Look, that was my best I could do with the situation, okay? I'm going to defend my right. action. What All would right. you I'll, do? I'll give you that one. <laughs> anyway, that was so how I... So you cleaned up and tossed the clothes. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. and that, that's, that was how I got to LA. And you had more Mexican when you went out? No, I said no more. <laughs> I can't pretend. But I love Mexican now. You do. I love it. But and it so, doesn't have such an effect on no, you, No, we're guessing. good. We're good. Okay. And this, But this seat is vinyl, I noticed, so it's okay. okay. <laughs> we're <Ooh>. good. <laughs> so you got to LA. Got to LA and... Um, With no money. No money. In a half-burnout car. That's right. And I started doing improv, and I was in an improv group with Matthew Perry from Friends before he was famous. He was like 18 at the time. And I did that for a year and a half. But at the same time, a girl in the improv group said, you got to be on the game show. That's how you can get some money. So she arranged me to audition for um, the game show Scrabble back then, hosted by Chuck Woolery. And um, not familiar with that one. uh, It was popular. And I got on it, and I was crazy. I was wild and said everything that popped into my head and outed myself in the 80s game show world and has been named the third gayest moment in the history of game shows after Paul End and Charles Nelson <laughs> Riley. And this, I'm proud because Charles Nelson Riley is my acting teacher. So at least I'm in the same wow. <laughs> list as him. 
But that gave me the money to quit my job as a room service waiter and focus on trying to get my SAG card, which at the time... Wait a minute. How much money did you make? I wanted, uh, well, 14000 well, that's a lot back For, then. That was a wow. lot. Yeah. It was more than I'd probably made in my whole life combined at, right. up to that point. Oh, great. That's good. And so, yeah. So I had 14000 which, you know, I stretched. I got a truck, which I named Chuck after Chuck Woolery. So, because I thought he got it for me in a way. So um, then I, back then, in I needed to get a SAG card, Screen Actors Guild card. But back then, you could only get a Screen Actors Guild card if you had a line in a film or TV show. So you, one line gets you anything that. that you said, but you couldn't audition for a line on a television show or, or film unless you had your sound card. Catch twenty two. <laughs> so the only thing I could think of to do was to be an extra. So to be on a film set, and I thought, well, if I'm on the film set, I'll figure out a way to get a line. So I did it for eight months, and I never saw anybody get a line. But then I was like, I'm determined. I'm determined. I'm going to make it happen. So there was a movie called Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Okay. Do you know who she, she yes. is? Yes. Oh, yeah. And I knew that was going to be a really super campy film. And I'm like, okay, I'm, this is it. I'm, I'm, I don't care what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get this, this sad card. So there was a scene that I, and I dressed as a complete geek and I didn't bring any other clothes that they would let me wear these clothes that could have stood out. There was a scene where they were burning Elvira at the stake and they had a little stake for her dog that they were going to burn too. So um, they wanted the crowd as they were burning her at the stake to shout, burn the witch. So the crowd was lethargic. It was burn the witch. Pause, pause, pause. Burn the witch. Pause, pause, pause. So I thought, I'm coming for it. So in the middle of a pause, 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 I screamed, burn her and a little dog too. <laughs> and they yelled cut. I'm like, I'm going to get fired or I'm going to get my SAG card right now. They liked it. <laughs> and so they came, they talked and they came over with the camera and everything and said, okay, uh, what you just did, let's try that again. And I got my sack So you card. wrote your own line. Yeah. And Elvira, Cassandra Peterson, saw the dailies and said, who is he? I love him. I want him here every day. But at the same time, it already signed a contract to do this stupid Bruce Willis movie that nobody's ever going to hear of called Die Hard. Uh-oh. And uh, <laughs> so I was supposed to be a SWAT guy on Die Hard at night, but they wanted me to do Elvira during the day. And I'm like, I wasn't going to turn down Elvira. So, but I had to do the, the Die Hard thing. So I was awful. I would go to Die Hard, check in and go in my new truck and sleep. I'd put on my SWAT and hide and uh, not. Were you, so, you were supposed to be like an extra in that? Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. but there was tons of SWAT guys. So in, they're gonna, not going to miss you. Right. And so one <laughs> night when I was, because I was having such a great time during the day on, on El, Elvira, one night they, the, the, assistant director rounded up everybody. I wasn't the only person sleeping in the car because this was all night long. Rounded us all up. I was so tired. I didn't care. And the director was ranting and I just didn't care. I was so tired. And he said, I need killer types like him pointing to me. Really? Me as his ideal killer type. So they grabbed- I can can see that. Yeah. They grabbed (laughs) me and I did a stunt with a helicopter on Die Hard. Really? Yeah. All the same week that I got my, same week, two weeks I got my SAG card. So you got the SAG card, which allowed you to be on Die Hard. Well, no, I was an extra in Die oh, Hard. Oh, you were an extra. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't speak in Die Hard, but yeah, it's, uh, that was how I got my side card. There. That was a long story. Sorry that's about a, that. That's a, no, that's a good story. So then <laughs> what was the next leg of the journey here? Uh, just, you know, I, acting, uh, small parts, whatever I could get until I started writing, started uh, creating my own stuff. So I had a, you know, I did a lot of Nickelodeon shows as actor. I did a lot of uh, shows. But I was all like, you know, not huge parts. And then I got a chance to start writing. 
And um, how did that happen? Well, I, a friend of mine, Larry LaFont, who is a really good friend still and has moved to Palm Springs as well. He said, let's let's he was casting. He was casting Nickelodeon and casting me in like five or six Nickelodeon shows and said, you know, you're really good actor. I want to direct. Let's do this thing together. So we wrote together a short film called Gaydar. Have you heard of that? It it's became very, very uh, kind of rings a bell, cult, but, yeah. uh, popular. Charles Nelson Riley was in it, my acting teacher, and uh, Jim J. Bullock was in it. And it was about a gun that tells whether people are straight or gay. And I think I did see that. Yeah. It's it's a, We turned it into a toy. So we had a Gaydar gun toy. This little short film did so much, you know, if a film is in 10 film festivals, it's a big hit. I stopped counting at 120 for wow. DR. And it was HBO bought it for a while. And it was a short. It was a 20-minute short. Like, shorts don't have that kind of success. And right. California Independent Film Festival named it one of the 20 best comedies of all time. So, very lucky. Right. Very lucky. So that kind of launched me and Larry. Larry got directing jobs on Nickelodeon because of it. And then I got, we, we, you know, got lots of more opportunities to write. And eventually I got my right. own sitcom. Which was what? From Here On Out, which was for a gay network called Here TV. And <laughs> it's, um, it's, they, it's kind of like a cross between 30 Rock and Tootsie. It, it, it's, um, <laughs> the network is, Here TV is a small network and they, and they, Literally, it's a show about making a really bad, cheesy, gay series called Guy Dubai International Gay Spy. And it's so we're, the show is about making that show. And I was basically playing a, a parody of myself. I was playing the writer who was forced to direct and, and because they didn't have any money. And, um, and you, the were network, act, you were acting in it as well. I was acting in okay. it, yeah. So the network was like spoof us. Which is fun, but it's also scary when you write a script. It's like, how far can I go? Am I going to ruffle feathers? Am I going to like? Am I going to get fired every time I turn in a script? Because I really, really spoofed them. But to their credit, they said it's funny, it's great, it's great. Make fun of that. We have twenty-one subscribers or whatever I did. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. But I had like Juliet Mills in it, and it was really. It's one of their most watched shows. It did really, really well. So, so we did uh, a season of that. Uh, I wish we could have done more. We, they just didn't have the money in place to do more. But so that was my first sitcom. And then I did another sitcom called My Sister's So Gay that I self-produced with a, my friend, uh, Wendy Michaels, and I did it. And that is did really well. That had Lonnie Anderson plays my mother in that. Oh, really? Yeah, she's... I love her. I had uh, Deborah Wilson from Mad TV. She does those, you know, she did the Oprah Winfrey impersonations and the and the Whitney Houston impersonations really right. funny. And uh, uh, Radon Chong is in it. So it's got, it's great cast. It's great cast. Oh. And what year was this? We did two seasons of it. Uh, we did, the last episode we did was, we did a special COVID episode, but I can't remember, 19, I think was the last time we shot. So yeah. And then other stuff. I have other shows too, but those are my two main sitcom things. Okay, so then how'd you get into the playwright stuff? I was writing, I've always loved theater. I've done like maybe 110 plays. When you say done, as an actor? As an actor. Where did that all occur? All over the country. I've been an actor, you know, for a long time. But um, (laughs) I was writing these TV movies and they were sucking the soul out of me because they all were like, you know, this cheesy network, which I'm not going to name because I'll get in trouble. But um, they're all the same. Like, you know, they they want somebody to meet on this page and they want them to kiss on this page and they want them to be in love with the wrong person on this page and very formulaic. And you get horrible notes like, it's comedy, but don't make it funny. Or <laughs> we don't right. like characters with flaws. 
So it was just soul crushing. And I did it 11 times and, but only got credit for two of them because they, they would say you're doing a rewrite, but they would give you the title and said, this is written by Frank Smith. You never read the script, never read it. You just got a title and you'd have to rewrite the whole thing, write the whole thing. And then they'd say, well, but you did a rewrite for Frank Smith. And then I, (laughs) my guess is they then changed the title, the author to somebody else that didn't pay anybody to write it. I mean, give anybody the credit. except. For oh, them. really? So anyway, it was, it was soul crushing. And I thought, I cannot do this. I cannot write another movie with a bad note. So w- the only thing that I could think of to write where you don't have, to, where the writer is king is theater. So I thought, I've got to write myself a play. I did. I wrote this play called Electricity, which has been amazing. It started in 2016 and is still going. And this year we're taking it off Broadway. So it's been, it's been great. Uh, off Broadway in New York. Yeah, this is off Broadway right yeah, here. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> that's capital off, I guess. I'm right. just regular off. Yeah, oh, regular off. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So when is that going to happen? For Palm Springs, folks, we're doing a final two uh, performance farewell for the Ben Theater at the Palm Springs Cultural Center on February 10 and 11. It became the longest running play in Palm Springs. The whole thing takes place inside one hotel room. It's very sexy and funny. And for several years here, we did it literally in a hotel room at Indulge. We had the audience in the hotel room with us and we just acted around them, people. And it was super cool. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it was really neat. But you're not doing that this time? Coming no, up. we're doing it in a real theater setting, okay. yeah, which is what it, we, it in, intended to do. But we thought this experiment with the hotel room would be fun, and it was so successful that we just didn't stop doing it. So I wound up moving here, and my co-star wound up moving here, and my director, and we all moved here. How many people could watch it in a room, like 20 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like what? 22 at the 22. max. Yeah. And it was crazy. It'd be like, you, you're just like... I. People would sit literally next to you, like like in certain chairs. If you sat in this chair, there would be a person, like your shoulder would touch them. And one time there was this guy who I sat in my chair and I was doing this monologue and the, the guy started petting me, just <laughs> petting my face while I'm talking. And I'm like, I, ha- I acknowledge that you're there. And after the play was over, I'm like, you were petting me. And he said, I just wanted you to know I was on your side. <laughs> like, Thank you. Oh, so, wow. So yeah, so then Electricity, that play, has led to uh, my friend Steve Rosenbaum and I. Steve is the director of Electricity, and we've been friends for almost 30 years, working together a lot. He and I have started our own gay theater here in Palm Springs called The Bent. And um, so all of this just kind of grew out of each other, and we just opened with my second play called The Lincoln Debate, about whether or not Abraham Lincoln um, might be a little bit under the LGBTQ um, umbrella, Hmm. you know. Okay, so do you personally think he was? Yes. You do? Mm-hmm. Do you? You saw the play. I left the play thinking yes. Yes, yeah. right. But, but, but others thought no. Don't say anything. You make up your own mind. We right. just give you the facts, right? Right. right. Yeah. Well, some uh, of it's a little bit compelling. <laughs> <laughs> there is very compelling evidence. And well, that play's coming back. Yeah. So, uh, you know, people can make up their own minds starting... February 14th. He slept with Mr. Speed, what, for four years? Yeah, it's, you know, that's... In a double rope bed? They they have I mean, other... that sounds kinky. It's yeah. not... It's not it's, <laughs> well, maybe it was. No, no. And the explanation is, because yeah. my folks had antique shops in New York. So it's a regular bed, 
but instead of like a box springs, there's ropes going back and forth, hence the rope bed. Right. But they're smaller than what we would call a double bed today. Yeah. They're and small. They're small. And Lincoln was six foot four. Right. So th- there was touching going on. And the ropes make you sink in the middle. And they slept upstairs. It had to be super hot in the summer. There was, you know, they didn't, people didn't have underwear back then. They had these shirts that they wore. And so, you know, there in the sexual prime, four years, come on, peeps. There's And then there's some other things that Lincoln has done with other men. That's not the only time he's shared a bed with men when he didn't need to. Right. So, yeah, there's some compelling, compelling facts. How did you research that? It was during COVID, and I've always been interested in, uh, well, I didn't know what to write. First of right. all, because it was like, I don't it, I don't know what to write about. I, I don't know how this is going to end. I, we, Trump was president. I was like, I just can't write about the future. No one's going to want to know about COVID. App. We're not going to want to talk about COVID when this is over. So I've always been interested in Lincoln. We have the same birthday. And I knew about the letters that Lincoln wrote to Speed. And I thought, okay, I'm going to see if there's a story there. But I didn't know how to tell it because I just, the letters are so eloquent and, and the language is so beautiful. Hard to, hard to read. Right. <laughs> that I thought, I can't write like that. But right. yet I have to have the letters. That's so important because that's where all the evidence is. So until I came up with the idea after, well, I researched it by going to, well, you, to answer your question, the sources. I found modern biographies worthless to me because somebody had already made their minds up. I had to go to the letters of the people from that time. And when I did that, then the story came together. And it's like, because if you piece all these things together at the same time, when he was with Speed was the same time that he met Mary Todd. All this stuff with Mary Todd, him getting engaged, he broke up with her. They didn't see each other for 15 years, 15 years, I'm sorry, 15 months. And there's all this stuff about because of what he was doing with speed that he really wasn't thinking about Mary Todd, really. And um, so it's it's all if you put it together, and then these letters are after that period when speed went to get married. And Lincoln is obsessed with the wedding night and all the details. And it's it's very compelling stuff. So and you and you had to get married back then. I mean, being- he, they had to get married, especially a politician. He had yeah. no choice. He had to get married. There was no other option. There wasn't a word for homosexuality back then. People didn't even, it was just sodomy. That's all that, that was the only word to describe that they, they had. So it was just completely different mindset. People never thought about anything except, as I start the play, Lincoln wrote a poem, literally almost 200 years ago, where he mentions gay marriage in the poem, which is shocking to me. When I saw that poem, I was like, I cannot believe this poem exists that he, that did Lincoln he use, wrote. I don't remember. Did he use the word gay? He, no, probably not. Right. Reuben and Charles have married two girls, but Billy has married a boy, the girls he had tried. And it's, it goes on from there. It's, it's, right. it's gay marriage. Oh, it sure is. It's uh, crazy to think about it. It was written. I don't, they don't know what year, but around 1830. Well, I wonder what, what did the biographers do? I mean, all of them that said, oh, they were just friends. That's what they what, always what say. What do they do with that? They don't put they it in ignore, context. They ignore it, right? Yeah. They or just, that was just something he was talking about. Yeah. It's very easy to put it on. And biographers that I like, like Doris Kearns, Doris Goodwin Kearns, what's her name? You know, th- those words put together in one order. Doris <laughs> Kearns Goodwin, something like that. She's amazing. I read her book about Lincoln after I did my own research. And I was like, oh, girlfriend cut corners. Girlfriend just made assumptions. It was like, I I was shocked when I had my own knowledge of the facts that people can get to where they get without really thinking about this stuff. Because you had read the source material. And it's if you build a timeline, which I don't know that people have built a timeline like this before, because if you just if you just read about Mary Todd or you just read about uh, Joshua Speed, you have to overlap them and put them on top of each other and see what they make a flow chart. Cause and effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cause and effect. Why he broke up with Mary Todd when he did? It's 
very much related to Joshua Speed and what was going on there. It's obvious. Yeah. So, so that I went to the last performance, but you're bringing it back. Bringing it back because people want to see it every Tuesday, starting February 14th, except the next week is President's Day. So we're doing a special President's Day that week and not a Tuesday, but the Monday of President's Day, but every other Tuesday after that. So, um, and our website is thebent.org. So you can find out all of our shows there. Why did, why did you start that, The Bent? Because the gay theater in town closed down. And Palm Springs should not go without a gay theater. Why did they close? Uh, Why did they close? From my perspective, they closed over money issues. So, But that's their story. So Uh, you're going to avoid that? Yes. It's not my story to tell. Okay. Um, But we weren't able to. I mean, you're going to avoid it on your group. Well, we have this fantastic deal right now with the Palm Springs Cultural Center has given us a home. Before we had a penny, before we became officially a a nonprofit, which we are now, but the paperwork can take a long time. And they said, come do a show now, we'll help you. And they did. And and during the course of the rehearsals, we became officially a nonprofit. And we're starting to be able to get funding coming in. We need funding. Just to get the rights to a play can be $5,000. So that's why we literally had to start with a play that I wrote. Because if we were going to screw a playwright, it had to be me. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, you mean you, have to, you pay them at least 5000 to be able to use the play? That's what you do? Yeah. I mean, all plays like musicals could be 10000 You know, it's like you have to pay it up front before you have any ticket sales. So those are all hurdles starting out as a theater to, right. to overcome. But we have our next play ready to go. It's going to auditioning in this week. It's called Gently Down the Stream. Very boring title, but very good play. It's it's a wonderful play. It's uh, by the guy who wrote Bent. He also wrote the book to the boy from Oz. And it's about uh, Palm Springs might be interested in. It's about an older guy with a much younger guy having this relationship and uh, and uh, it's it's a funny, touching, interesting play. Well, that never happens around here. Never happens. Total <laughs> fiction. <laughs> How can people find out about you? You're going to give us a website and all the details, and we'll. You put can it in find the... out about me personally at terryray.tv. Okay. And then the bent again is thebent.org. Very proud of that. And the electricity, electricitytheplay.com. We're going to New York uh, this year, so. Lots of really fun, cool things happening. I have a TV series that I do uh, that's available on YouTube called TV Therapy, which I play a therapist who has a a therapy session with a classic TV character played once again by the original actor, talking about all the issues they would have. For example, like Tabitha from Bewitched. In her therapy session, she confesses that at one point her dad walked through the door and he was a completely different person and nobody said anything. And she just had to go with it. So we... we, uh, you know, I have Eddie Monster. You know, my dad was, you know, what what was he? He's like, well, he's kind of a bit of everything. He was a little eclectic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So wow. I have a lot of fun with that. I get to play with classic TV stars by spoofing their roles and they play they play along. It's really fun. Okay. Uh, in the show notes, we'll put all that so they can get a hold of you. Great. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great having you. 